for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today is episode 122, and we're keeping the small acre theme intact this week. We actually have Justin Hollinsworth on from Ohio. All right, here we are. Today is, it's a good day. It is a good day. It's been busy in my world the last two weeks, as you know from last week selling my house this week a little bit more of that that's why this episode's a little late going out but uh this week it's uh i feel like i feel like it's starting to come to an end hopefully i mean the inspection and the appraisal happen and waiting to hear back from that but i can actually sleep at night now so that's a good thing i'm actually here by myself in this intro justin is on vacation right now so i'm doing this intro by myself but this week we have justin hollinsworth on from ohio now, if none of you guys that are listening to this know who Justin Hollinsworth is, I suggest you like go to YouTube and check out Justin Hollinsworth and his track record. This guy is the king at getting it done on small acres. I mean, last year he shot a 161 on three and a half acres or three acres, something like that. Something crazy. But he specializes in 40, 50, 60, 70 tr- you know, acre tracks. And uh, this one's a pretty good one. Um... Yeah, I I don't know. That's all I got to say really about it, but it's a good episode. He knows his stuff. He knows what he's doing. He's from Ohio, and he just gets it done year after year on on Small Acres, so it's a pretty cool episode. Um, Besides that, I do have some, you know, housekeeping I want to do here. If I can pull my notes up real quick, Um, I've got a couple things. So tonight, Wednesday, it'd be Wednesday, July 22nd. Um, Humanimal is airing on the Sportsman's channel at 9 o'clock, I believe, 9 o'clock Eastern. So check out the new episode on that. So I wanted to, I wanted to let you guys know there every Wednesday at 9 o'clock Sportsman's cha- on the Sportsman's channel, Humanimal is airing. So just want to let you guys know that. Also, Humanimal podcast. We have a Humanimal podcast coming out, and it's going to be really cool. So it's not like geared around just whitetail like the fall podcast is. So the fall podcast under the Humanimal balloon is going to be basically what you guys have come to know and 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 hear from us. It's whitetail, whitetail, whitetail every week. Humanimal podcast is going to be more of like an all-around encompassing thing around hunting and outdoors. So it's pretty cool. That is coming soon. I will get. I will keep you guys posted on that when it does come out. So. That's going to be an exciting one as well. So other than that, I mean, 
really the only things I have going on right now other than my house is <laughs> work. That's all I've been doing, that and family. I haven't been able to touch my bow yet in a while. Like I said, we're trying to move out of my house right now, so everything's going in a storage unit, and it's just crazy right now. So I'm, I'm waiting for this to kind of boil down a little bit and just slow down and uh, get out, do a little bit more glassing because, as I can see, I've got some good bucks on the farms this year so i'm excited to let you guys know more about that but i gotta get out there and get better looks at them so um yeah that's kind of where i'm at right now in a nutshell but we got some good 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 guests coming up on the episodes coming here i'm hoping to get back on this tuesday you know every tuesday but it just seems like one thing or another i got excuses all over but i just need to do it so I appreciate your guys' support. I'm going to get over to this interview with Justin and uh, let that take it from here, I guess. So thanks, guys, and we'll see you right here next week on the Fall Podcast. All right, today we are back on the Fall Podcast here today, and it's going to be probably a little confusing for the listeners out there because Justin Fabian is on one end, but then our guest this week is Justin Hollinsworth. So I'm going to try my best to kind of coordinate between Justin's, but Justin Hollinsworth, how's it going, man? How is, uh, how's your summer going? Good, good. It's, uh, uh, we're, we're it's getting into the, the fun part of the year. It is. Yep. You can, you can start telling what kind of, what kind of deer that you have to hunt now. And I know you probably got a couple chained up down there somewhere, don't you? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Some secrets down there. I know Justin Fabian <laughs> out in Iowa's got a couple chained up on his 40 acres. I know that. He's just not telling me. <laughs> I don't know yet. I've, I've, those cameras have been soaking for almost two weeks, and I haven't even gone back to check them once yet. You're killing me, man. you got to get back there and check those damn things. I know. Tomorrow... We're recording this on, what, Thursday the 16th. My plan is to go tomorrow on Friday. So by the time people hear this, I should have an idea of of what's out there. Well, through all those giants up there, you're going to have, I, I think you're going to have like a 170 on camera for sure. I bet I have like <laughs> 40 fucking black Angus cows that ate all my lucky buck. Well, well you're in Iowa, so you should have at least five or six on that that forty acres, right? That are over one seventy for mean, sure. Just, at least that's I mean, they, yeah, it's Iowa, yeah. right? They're behind every yeah, tree. <laughs> yeah, we've 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 said it a million times. There's, I mean, it's pretty much a guarantee. Yeah. I don't know why it's you know why it's so hard everywhere else, but it definitely. Well, I can say this: it sure in the hell wasn't like that in 2015 when I was there. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah, drew this year, right? Anything easy? What's that? I, I was saying. Think- I don't think, Justin. Go oh ahead. my God, this is a McMurray moment right here. <laughs> it is. How are you now, McMurray? <laughs> All right, Justin Fabian, okay. you go. <laughs> I was going to say there was nothing normal about 2015 in Iowa from everything I've heard from anybody who lived here or hunted here. Then I was not one of them, but no, and I and I drew before, and it was you know just absolutely phenomenal, and you know the prior years that I drew. And, um, and then when I went back in 15, it was like, it was tough. I mean, I had 10 days to be there and I mean, it took me, it took me nine days and I mean, I, I hunted my ass off. Yeah. Were you on private when you were doing that? Yeah. Yeah. A, A good friend of mine used to, he used to live out there. 
And I used to just, whenever I could draw a tag, then uh, I'd just go out there and hunt his farms. And um, after the 2015 season, um, and he was kind of talking about it, he, he got bit by the elk bug. And he got so wrapped up into elk hunting that he had a, see, he had a 320-acre farm, a 170-acre farm, and a 200-acre farm. In Iowa. Jeez. In Iowa. And he was a resident? And he was a resident. And he left. Give me his number. <laughs> and Well, here's what he did. After 2015, he was kind of telling me that when I was out there, and he was like, he goes, I'm thinking about moving. I'm like, why? I'm like, why would you move? And he's like, well, he goes, man, I'm thinking about moving to Colorado. And I'm like, really? And so he listed all his farms and sold all three of them and moved to Colorado. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Yeah, I almost did the same thing. <laughs> I've only been here for two years. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. Yeah. I don't know. I just I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could leave whitetails behind like that. See, I don't know if I could either. But he, I, I'll say this. He, you know, I talked to him. Uh, I, we still talk all the time, and he he loves it out there. He's dying to get me to come out there, and, and um, I need to go, and I need to go experience some elk hunting. But God, I just love whitetail hunting, and I just. <laughs> uh, it's, I agree, man. It's, Especially it's when you're in the Mecca. I mean, Justin knows that he's in Iowa. He's, you know, and I, Justin, I've never asked you this either. Like you living in Iowa, is it almost like, eh, well, you know, it's whatever. It's just a place to hunt. Or is it like, man, I live in Iowa. Um, It's a little bit of both. I'm not, I, I would be one of those people who could move away from here if I was like dead set on, learning or hunting something else like elk or, you know, mule deer, whatever the case may be. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's just deer, right? And it's, I say it's just deer, but it's also Iowa and it's like, it's the Holy land. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that to sound like I take, take it for granted. I say that because it's not going to limit me from doing other things that I'm just as interested in or right. maybe more interested. You know what I mean? And, but I don't, I don't have one of those things right now. Like I dabble in Western hunting, like, you know, I'm doing the mule deer hunts this year and an elk hunt just developed over the last two weeks. And I did elk last year for the first time. So it's like, I like drifting out there, but honestly, it's only because I can start my hunting season in August instead of right. waiting for October. Yeah. You and, know, and I can get a couple things out of the way and just buy my time, stay away from my cameras and well, yeah, I say it like I've done it for years. <laughs> I've, had a, <laughs> I've had a farm for two weeks, but whatever. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, it does help, too, that you're halfway out there already also. I mean, you're halfway to Colorado. I mean, for me, that's yeah, a long drive. For you, it's it's still a long drive, but, you know, it's a lot easier to do that as well. Yeah, I'm I'm nine hours from Denver. Like, oh, nonstop. Really? That's nine hours. So yeah, it's, that's nothing. No. You just got to drive through ugly Nebraska. And you're there. <laughs> yeah, I'm nine. I'm nine hours from Iowa. So, yep. Justin Hollinsworth, where where are you at? You're in Ohio, right? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm north of Columbus. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. So, is is that where you do a majority of your hunting? Is just around Ohio, and then kind of if you you know fill a tag, does that when you kind of you know bounce around to different states? 
Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do a, a lot of hunting here. I mean, I, I probably hunt. I don't know anywhere between. I, I probably. I think I probably have anywhere between eight, eight to twelve properties spread out over four counties. Okay. Um, and just because I never, I never look at it as if. You know, there's not. I mean, there's a lot of times pieces I have permission on. I, you know, I never hunt because there's there's not a deer on there that I'm interested in. Um, but I always run cameras on every single one of them and just keep inventory or in case something, you know, something new shows up and, you know, gets my interest. Um, but then I have a lease, um, with some buddies out in Illinois too. Um, so I have, I have that piece out there with those guys. And then, so, so this year I'll be hunting Ohio, Illinois, and then I drew my Iowa tag and I'm going to go up there and hunt too. God, that's one hell of a slate of, slate of tags to have. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know, one one thing I'll say going back to your question about, you know, is it Iowa? Is Iowa like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like what you just said, like unless you're hunting extreme differences, you know, in the whitetail range from north to south, you're going to have a hell of a time picking. I mean, you're going to pick Iowa for prime time, like peak rut, but you're going to have to have a lot of different strategy depending on what time of the year you're going to get to hunt those other states. For sure. That's that's a lot of pressure. You know, and you can spread yourself too thin um, yeah. with, you know, with that many tags. Um, the, I guess the only thing, the only thing that I'm pretty efficient when it comes to um, hunting bucks and, in that early part of October, um, here, I've always been pretty good at that. Matter of fact, that's when I've killed all, almost every one of my biggest bucks. Um, so, but then the P, then the stuff that the farms that we hunt out there in Illinois, well, I've been hunting them for a while too, you know, so I kind of know, um, you know, when, you know, what time frame and stuff like that, that, you know, that I'll, I'll be out there. Um, and then I and then I was just going to be that's just going to be my rut hunt, you know. I'll just go there yeah. and and um, but I like late I like you know I like late season too in Illinois, you know, because uh, the farm that you know the farms that I hunt out there, um, those deer just pile in there. Two years ago, I was out there during late late season, and I mean it was we got they got hit with one of that county got hit with one of the worst snowstorms snow that they had had in years. And I woke up the, the next morning and there was a foot of snow and, um, and man, I'm telling you what I had all, those farms all to myself <laughs> and I was just running around like a wild banshee in there. And, and there's a lot of little, there's a lot of wood lots on one, on the one particular piece. So uh, there's a big hedge thicket in there and there's a bunch of those what do you want to call them they're like they're, they, look, they look like banana peels or something or whatever I know uh, the pods about. is it like the hedge apple trees or something like that the big yeah yep there's just a ton of them in this whole hedge thicket and those deer in late season they just pound them they love them and so i knew that there was a couple bucks in the area that i was interested in so, man, I'm telling you, I went, spent the, spent the first part of the day 
and I just ran every single deer out of every one of those other woodlots over there and stacked them all in that hedge. And I went in there and man, I'm telling you what, I was, I was covered up in deer the whole time. And I mean, I could have shot a, I could have shot a 150, but I had a, I, I had a legit 180, um, that, uh, um, if I would have, if I would have positioned that stand the other way than I had, what I had it, then that deer would have been, I would have got a crack anyways, whether I would have got it done, but are you, I, were I you hunt with a bow or with a gun that late season? I only, I only bow hunt. Oh, okay. So you don't gun hunt, gun hunt at all then. Mm-mm, no, okay. I don't have, I don't have one single deer on the wall in here from a gun. Any particular reason, or is it just something bow, se- bow hunting was just your thing? I don't know. I just kind of fell in love with that that image of a bow hunter years ago, like when I was a kid, and I would read those articles and stuff like that from guys like uh, you know, like Miles Keller and uh, and Roger Rothar and and my buddy Andre DeQuisto, and um, that you know, I just had this image in my head of of when it came to and i killed deer you know when i was a kid and stuff like that growing up with a gun before but when you get one in you know that 15 20 yards man there's just nothing like it it's a different game (laughs) yeah it's and i once once you get a taste of that uh, it's like to me and i have nothing against guns or gun hunting or anything like that i own guns and um um i love to shoot turkeys with guns but um, I just, I don't know. I just like doing it with a bow. Yeah. I don't blame you at all. I mean, I, I, I grew up, you know, Michigan is, uh, you know, opening day of gun seasons, uh, heavy, you know, rich tradition, just like, you know, PA, New York, Wisconsin. And so that's kind of how I grew up. So it was always like gun seasons the you know opening day that weekend town shut down i mean my high school shut down we didn't go to school on opening day so yep. growing up that Pennsylvania's way Pennsylvania's the same way yeah and i know justin you grew up fabian you grew up the same way i mean that was you know gun season was the thing but you know if i had to pick obviously i, I bow hunting is is my thing as well and you know i haven't hunted with a gun you know during gun season well i this is going to sound bad. I've shot does with guns, you know, to, to fill the freezer the last couple of years, but I haven't hunted a gun season in nine years. And this year I actually pull, I drew a Kansas gun tag. So I'm excited about that <laughs> to actually get yeah, out pretty- and like kind of, you know, do the gun hunting thing again. And it's, it's more of a camaraderie kind of thing, you know, deer camp. Yeah. And we've got nine guys that are going to be, or eight guys that are going to be in camp and, just one of those things that kind of laid back, more relaxed a little bit, and I'm I'm looking forward to doing that. I'm I'm really excited for it. Yeah, that that part of it I do miss. You know, that was the part of it. You know, just all of us getting together and and gun hunting and stuff like that. When you know I was a kid growing up, and I mean the, the, that that part of it that was fun. I I did enjoy that. Um, the other part of it I didn't like was was everybody getting together and and pushing deer and basically hunting them like rabbits. That part of it always turned me off, and 
I never, even then, I, I was like, oh, you know, like, this is like, I don't know, it's like almost unfair in my, in right. my mind. I'm going to play devil's advocate here because someone's going to listen to that and say, this guy's a fucking hypocrite. You just said you pushed <laughs> deer out of every block into a hedge thicket and then hunted it. But you, you bow hunted it. You're talking about like lining guys up smelling like pancakes and camels and just <laughs> mowing down whatever runs yep. out. Big difference. No, you, you know, you're exactly right. Thank you for saying that because, yeah, they probably would do that to me. But no, but these deer, but to talk about, you know, to go back to that story about when I'm stacking into a woodlot, you know, that's a methodical like plan of I'm going to push everything in there and then I'm going to spend the next two days when that thing is stacked with those deer and they're in there feeding on their, you know, it, they're not running scared. Right. You know, you don't have a line and, of guys pushing deer towards guys that are sitting there with rifles. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. That's, that's the same way here too. I mean, every Thanksgiving when I was a kid, we'd push the cornfields around here, you know, and push it to sitters. And honestly, when I was in high school, it really fell off. You know, it was like one year, you know, you did it until like this year for some odd reason. And then like nobody that I know of does it anymore. It's just something that's just, I think it kind of died, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't cool anymore. It wasn't not, I shouldn't say cool, but it wasn't like, I think a lot of guys said it was like, this isn't ethical. Like this isn't the way to do things. We did it. I grew up doing it. And there was times where it was like, man, this isn't this, like you said, just doesn't feel right. You know, I, I totally get yeah. that. Hell, you can go to Virginia and run them with dogs. I mean, that's still legal. Can you run them with dogs in Virginia? I think um, you can I'm in Louisiana, can't you? Yeah. I, like, I think in the south in some of the states you can run actually run them with dogs. Yeah. I'm, I know Virginia's a thing because Kip Campbell, he, he put it on Red Arrow a couple times. And it's like, it's it's not a, that that's the norm. I did not know that. That's kind of weird. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that is kind of strange. <laughs> well, that's not what I want to get you on the podcast for today. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do a kind of a hard transition here and kind of get into why I wanted to get you on the podcast. And Justin and I talked about it. But you know, your your specialty, I guess, if you want to call it a specialty, is you know smaller acre hunting. I mean, last year you killed. 161 inch deer on three acres of timber it was a five and a half year old deer and like that just blows my mind and now justin has a 40 acre lease in iowa and i know he's just as excited to hear you know some things from you as well because you you specialize in that like 40 50 60 you know 70 80 acre which in in a roundabout way that is small acres uh, i talk about all the time having one acre of timber but uh i mean that's micro compared to what you know 40 50 60 acres that's 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 small so i mean i guess my first question to you is growing up was that something you always did was it just a small acre piece of ground that you had chance to hunt and that's kind of how you were brought up no actually not at all um i i grew up like probably about 45 50 minutes south of cleveland 
um, in the middle of nowhere. I think there was, I think I graduated high school, I think with about 70 kids in my class and it was just a, you know, just a farming community and, and I could literally hunt anywhere. Like I just, cause we knew everybody, you know, um, all you had to do was ask and you were good to go. And, and then I, you know, I worked for some farmers growing, you know, growing up and stuff like that. So I was a ton of, a ton of ground to hunt, but I, I never knew what I was doing. You know, I wish I could step back in time and jump back onto the, some of those farms then. And, uh, I think it would have been a lot different, but it wasn't until later, um, when I moved from that area, I took a job in Columbus and, and then it wasn't until later. I just, I would be, I would be driving North to hunt and I would just be driving by these small little places here and there. And, um, I'm seeing big bucks and I'm like, man, why in the heck am I driving, you know, 45 minutes or an hour away. And I got deer like, and you know, closer to home. So, um, I just started, you know, trying to get access to anywhere. I've seen a big deer or anywhere that I looked, like there would be a, you know, a good one to hunt. And, and so, you know, I went through a lot of learning curves, like, you know, we, we all do. And, um, but I, well, the thing that I, I just picked up on, I was like, man, I don't need a 200 acre farm to kill a big deer. I, I just need, it could be five acres and, have the one tree on it as long as you had good cover and a good entry and exit route and and you didn't you know and you you timed it right you know you didn't just go in there because i'd burn a lot of spots up early on and just quickly figured out that that wasn't the route to go you know i, I needed to be much more patient um, and hunt when the time was right, instead of just trying to go in there and get after them, you know, from the first day of season and just, you know, pound it. So, and that's, I guess that's something I'm starting to learn too. And, and gradually here, here and there, you know, hunting this smaller, smaller ground with not a lot of timber on it, you know, kind of rolling with the punches a little bit, but screwing up, you know, like, so you're saying you, you screwed up quite a bit, maybe, to to realize that is that kind of how you know instead of blowing in there probably like you know you said you were younger it was like i wish i knew a little bit more i think a lot of every a lot of us i i know i felt that way i'm like what the hell was i doing like putting a camera there or going to check it every day at three o'clock or four o'clock in the afternoon you know and it's like you learn that over time like did you have a lot of you know screw ups doing that and you was like how like when was the moment you were like I'm just screwing up here and I, I need to figure something else out. Like I need to do something different. Um, probably, I don't know. I, I guess it would have been like probably in the mid two thousands, maybe in the early two thousands. Um, I, you know, I had access to a property and there was a couple really good bucks on there and man, I would just go in there and just pound it, you know, like, and just, and this was way too uh, aggressive. And I, I didn't have things 
thought out. And then over time, you don't get cracks at those deer because of all the pressure that you put on there. And that pressure is just, to me, I mean, that's the, that's the biggest thing, you know, that you just got to learn to stay, you know, stay out of those, those small spots until, you know, the time's right. And the one thing that I definitely picked up on was I noticed like early in the season, if I had a good rising moon going into a full moon and that first cold front of, of October, if I could stay out, even if my cameras were not telling me that deer was walking in daylight, if I got that situation, who cares? Go in there and hunt. And nine times out of ten, if I sat back and played, you know, I the weather trumps everything to me. But if I had that cold front, and especially with that rising moon um, going into a full moon, um, I could pretty much get a crack at at one of those deer that I was after. Um, pretty con- pretty consistent, you know. As far as and the other thing, you know, just having that good entry and exit too, you know, having that that part of it, you know, thought out. I mean, when I can have, you know, when I can have a an entry from the east or from the north. I just, I get a lot more hunts out of those small places. Yep. That makes sense. Cause you probably got a lot of West and Northwest prevailing winds. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you, you, so you were talking about the rising moon there. So can you explain that a little bit, you know, paint a audio picture for everybody listening? Like, what do you mean by like the rising moon into a full moon? So, yeah. Years ago, I got turned on to the the Jeff Murray Moon Guide, which now Adam Hayes owns. Yep. And actually, Adam's a, Adam's the one that actually turned me on to it. Um, at years ago, um, when this is probably mid two thousands, um, we did a whitetail addictions video training, and 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 got on the subject of it there. And Adam had turned me on to it there, and then I started kind of paying attention to it. But whenever I would say uh, about four to five days, those four to five days leading into a full moon, when it's rising to a full moon, I tend to see some of the best evening action during that time frame. And then there's about a three-day span in there that is where the moon's full or almost full and there's about a three-day span in there or so maybe four days that it seems to kind of peter out a little bit and you don't see that good evening activity it kind of drops off into there and then you get onto the back side of that and there's about a four-day span right in there where the mornings really tend to pick up and you come and and the deer really get on their feet and i i don't fully understand all of it it's something to do with the gravitational pull and everything that gets these deer up on their feet during those time frames but i do know this that um you know the last two bucks that i've killed here in ohio um the one that i killed this past year we were on the back side of that full moon and 
you know, there's somebody, I don't know who said this or why they said this, but somebody made some rule up or wrote, wrote this that you can't hunt mornings in early October. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know who said this or whatever, but like, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that that deer was killed on what, October 18th or 19th yep. at first thing in the morning. Um, and that's because that deer, he start he got active in, in those mornings and you go back to 2018 when I killed my buck then, well, I had a good rising moon going into an evening and or, and, and during that time frame, that deer got really active and, and I had, a, I actually had a cell cam in there and was kind of watching everything. And the day before I killed him, he showed up right before, um, right before it got dark. And I thought, you know what, with this moon and the direction that's heading, if I go in there tomorrow night, he could, he could show up. Um, a little bit early, a little bit early, and I could get a crack at him, and that's what I did, and then I killed him. So when you're doing that, where like where are your setups at? Are you like right on bedding? Are you on food, or like you know a transition or staging area? Like what where where are you setting up at when this is happening? So the deer that I killed last year was on three acres, and I had a, a, about. I had a little tiny food plot in there. Actually, I couldn't even get a tractor or anything in there. I went in there with um, a weed eater, a backpack sprayer, and I did the the the, the Bill Winky poor man food plot. And and I went in there and put a clover plot in there, and and that deer was working. He was working two scrapes, coming down some pine uh, down a, a, a line of pines and, and was coming into that plot in the mornings. But I typically, I don't like hunting. I don't like hunting food in the mornings, but the reason that this place works was because my access is so good. The deer are always coming from the East and I'm coming in from the West. And when I come in, I actually jump, um, into the horse pasture and the horses will walk right with me. And I walk right down through there and the horses just kind of walk right with me. And then right when I get to the end, I jump the fence and then my trees about, uh, 25 yards from there. And then I slide up. It's a, and it's a big pine. And then I slide up in it and then it overlooks my I plot. That's beautiful. Like Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't know how many legs a horse has. Yeah. <laughs> that so like literally Sneaky. you've got like a couple horses that are just following you when you walk in. Yeah, they they come in there. They you know because they always like even the times when I'm just going back there or whatever they always walk down the the, the you know they always walk back there with me and. um so yeah, I just came up with this idea. I'm like, you know what? These horses are always out there. What if I just jump the fence and just walk with them back there? That's beautiful. And so, and that's what, and that's what they do. Um, Great. Now I got to get horses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Go get yourself hey, some horses. You've got some Holsteins <laughs> on that farm. Just just uh, train yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. I get one of those decoys, walk in like a cow. There you go. You just got to have heavy feet. That's all you got to do. <laughs> I'm just glad they're nice horses because there's some horses out there on our, on our lease in Illinois that you got to watch those suckers. They'll try to bite you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, I don't know. They say horses can tell. Like what kind of person you are, and I, I think of myself as a decent person, but I just don't trust a horse, and I think they know that. <laughs> I can't trust they cats. Can smell it. It's just like they a can house smell cat. Fear. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, house cats. You just at one time they're purring, the next the next minute they're ripping your face off. I can't trust cats yeah. at all. Well, but. definitely not our spirit animals. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> So, so you're going into three acres, and you're you're basically running bareback going into this in the morning, yeah. uh, to to kill these bucks. Now, I guess, I mean, you're not worried about going into three acres of timber and and pushing deer out at all, whether it's a morning or an evening. Are you worried about that at all? No, I'm not. You know, the one thing that I can say is I. I used to do this. I was really good at this for a long time. I was always so worried about doing something wrong that I took myself out of the game. And that's Aaron. When I, that's me. We're here. One hundred percent. I got my hand up. <laughs> and I and I tell you what. When I when I just said when I when I almost quit caring so much about that, man, I started killing a lot more big deer. Why do you think that yeah, is? Second guessing. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't sec- tell me you well, don't second guess over there. You second guess over no, there. I'm, listen, no, I'm not saying that to, to point the finger at you. I think that's just that's you're your own worst enemy. No matter what happens, like you get in your own head and you're done. Hundred percent. Do what you know how to do. Just do what you know how to do, and you're gonna and you're gonna be successful. Yeah, we're real easy to take ourselves out of contention before we even started, because we get into our our heads of like all these things that could happen and and sometimes you just got to go off of um you know everything that's being laid out there from that deer and take a chance and if you screw it up you screw it up you know i i mean i've screwed up a lot of you know uh of hunts but um i think when you get when you get past that then i think you start filling a lot more tags you know it kind of goes back to what you said about who was the guy that wrote the law that you can't hunt mornings in early October. You know, there's all these things that we read. There's so much media out there, podcasts and, and TV hunters and, you know, and on digital YouTube, everything like that, magazines. And I got wrapped up in it. You know, that's that's all I looked at and, and read and watched on TV growing up. So it's like there's this formula to kill a buck. And it's hard to get over that hump. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. There's still times it's like, man, I don't want to push in there because the deer are in there, you know? And then, honestly, like two years ago, I, I shot a shot a four-year-old buck in four acres of timber. And I went in there. I, I My access was through a bean field to get there. And, you know, a lot of, like you said, it was in the morning. And like you said, you know, a lot of people say you don't walk through a field in the morning because you're going to blow deer out. Well, 
you know, I may have. I knew I blew one deer out because she snorted at me, but I got a shot at the oldest buck I've ever got a shot at uh, in Michigan that morning on a field edge. And I wouldn't have hunted that morning if I didn't have a good buddy talk me into it. I'll be totally honest with you. You know, I mm-hmm. wasn't going to hunt that morning because it was like I talked myself out of saying, there's no way one's going to walk by you when you're going to go through that field. You're going to be loud as shit and you're going to blow every deer out of the country. And wouldn't you know it, I watched him come from 300 yards away and walked to 32 yards and I shot him, you know, and it's just, it's how, how I guess, and I'm going to, I'm going to pose this to both of you and whoever wants to take it first, but like, I'll, I'll say Justin Hollinsworth, how did you get over that hump doing that? I probably got over that probably back when, you know, like when I, when Andre DeQuisto and I become really good friends and, 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 you know, he's, I mean, he's aggressive, but he knows how, he knows when to stay back too. I mean, everybody thinks, oh, he's the bump and dump guy. He's just, you know, blowing deer out left and right. No, that's not, that's not completely true you know yes he does that when he needs to take the gloves off for sure he's doing that but before that you know he's you know he's trying to kill him on the outside edges and stuff like that but when when i realized i had and you guys probably have read this and 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 thought this and everything too is like you just had this mindset of like, man, if I bump that deer, he's, he's gone forever. You know, I'm this, that's it. And yeah, completely false. Half the time. Matter of fact, a lot of times when you do bump them, you just sure, you just shirt up their spot that it's, they are better than the right spot because they escaped and got out of there without you harming them. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like they're going to go to the next County. I mean, they've, they evade people in cars and, you know, every single day, like it's not just you that has done that to them, whether it's predators or other people or whatever the case may be. Like they're fighting, they're fighting that 24 seven. Yeah. And I, I would agree with that too. Justin Hollinsworth, would you say like you're, would you say that's even true in like a high pressured, you know, area where, you know, hunters are pushing deer, I mean, they're pushing deer all the time, realistically. I'm sure a deer gets bumped every day. At some point of the day, he gets bumped out of some, you know, some area. Would you say that's that's true? Because the reason why I ask is because last year we were in Kansas. I mean, we've got a big lease in Kansas, and, you know, you can see your dog run away for three days. It's, it's, it's big. And, you know, there was an instance where one of our guys was hunting a big deer, hunting mid 160s deer he was bedded in front of them winded them and ran away like literally you could see him running across the field he's gone so they got down out of the stand drove around that evening to try to find him again that night he came the camera there was a there's a trail cam underneath the literally underneath the tree that where he was sitting at last light he came back into that trail cam where he was just bumped out of so do you think that happens? I mean, I know this is a loaded question and it can, it, it, you know, there's so many scenarios, but like, do you think that is still true to like a highly pressured area? I I do. Yeah. I, I mean, I think even in, in a high pressured area, I think, 
I, I think you can you can still bump them and, and get away with it because um, to me and my my I guess my thought process would be okay like yeah I got bumped out of there but I still know that's the safest spot because I just escaped right and I was not ne- and and you know and I was never harmed so I would rather take my chances in that spot that I know is safe than just you know, aimlessly wandering around to other properties that I don't have that security feeling. That's my thought, you know, of what a big deer would think, I guess. Yeah. Fabes, what about you? What do you, what do you think on that? I think it's, I think it's absolutely true in high pressured areas. It's like you said, there's a lot of variables in that, but, um, I, my thought went right back to the first deer I killed in Iowa two years ago when I killed that buck 200 yards from the parking area on a piece of public land. It's like, you know, the, the old men out there, like the old timers will sit there and tell you like, you know, a buck will put his head on the ground and let you walk right by. Like sometimes you got to kick them. Like they know what people smell like, you know, that's, they know where the safe space is. I hate to use that word, but they know where they're the safest and how to how to get away and they know they can get away so it's like on one hand it's safe but on the other hand it's most likely often overlooked by a lot of people they might smell you open your truck door or putting your boots on or you know what i mean like they could be that close but that's the safest place Um, right I, i i don't think it's it's an issue whatsoever like especially with mature deer because just because of the hierarchy, like if you're hunting a five or six year old deer, you're like, you think he's just king shit, like seen it all, done it all. Fact of the matter is, his he's got the smallest home range of any other three or four year old, so he's a, he's kind of becoming isolated. Like those things, if, if you put all those pieces together, to me, it just tells you that if it's that big of an animal or that old of a deer, you're probably going to see him again. Like, don't be afraid. Like. Don't be reckless, but don't don't be like, oh, it's the wind is eight miles an hour and I can't hunt anything above four. Like, bullshit. Go do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I t- here's one thing I will say though, is I definitely try to be cautious of as far as letting that deer get my scent. You know that part of it. I, I got in my mind. I've always believed that. I mean, you could take you could take your dog who's blind and stick him in a room with fifty other people, and your dog knows your smell. Right. And you can't yes. tell me that a deer doesn't know your individual smell. And if he cracks you, and he now relates your smell as danger, now, good. Now you're hunting him on a whole different level, and now things got way harder. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I guess I should rephrase. Like the point I was trying to make was like, don't you know? You need to be cautious to not not let them figure out that they're the one that you're pursuing. Like you can't screw up over and over again and expect it to be okay. Like you still need to take precautions. But if you go in there to spray a food plot and like you bump him, he's in there feeding, and you had you didn't expect it. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't blow my season right there, but. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I definitely agree with, with you on that because I've, I've done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, sir. I guess I just I left it too broad. 
No, I, I, I sure I explain I'm, that. I'm glad you both brought that up because, you know, there's times where in to kind of go back to like the, the hunter's second guessing themselves, you know, kicking a buck out of his bed and then like just seeing him run off tail up. You're, you're thinking you're initially thinking because your adrenaline's kind of going. You're like, shit, that's the buck I've been trying to hunt and everything. But do you like take a step back and you're like, OK, no, the wind's in my face. He didn't smell me. I think I'm pretty good. He probably saw me or heard me. Like, I feel like I'd be good. But what you're saying, Justin, is like, if he smells you, it could be it could be a little more detrimental, right? Yeah, I think so. Just because, you know, if they, they, they can pick up your individual smell. Um, I, I think sometimes that can that makes things a little, a little tougher and, and makes it a little harder to, to kill them at that point. Um, because, you know, those deer are walking around a lot, you know, they're walking around a lot at night and, you know, they're, you know, they got a good chance to cut your track, you know, from a, from a time that maybe you went in there and hunt them, you, you hunted them and you didn't see them. And, and I purposely have done this before, I've gotten down from a tree before and stuck a camera right on the tree that I was in just for shits and giggles, just to, you know, cause I've always thought, man, you know, it'd be nothing for you see does track you like a, like a dog to your tree, you know? So I always wonder, you know, will a buck do that? And I've gotten truck and videos of bucks, you know, at two, three o'clock in the morning, like, with their nose right to the ground trap, you know, just walking right up to the tree and right up to my camera. And I'm like, Oh God, that's crazy. You know, so, and I just, so I just feel like, especially on the small pieces, like, you know, that's where your patience, you gotta be patient. And because you, a lot of times, like you got two or three really, really good hunts to, to get after them and get them killed. And then, after that, it just then they start to I don't know it, it just gets way way harder from that point on and sometimes you just have to back off you know back off of them a little bit. What would you say are some keys to some small acre hunting like some small timber? You know what are some keys that you really need to take in consideration every time, whether you're considering going into sit or you know walking in there. Like what are some some key things that you always think about before you're going to hunt? Um, are you talking to like, like entries and stuff like that? Or it like, could be entries mean? or is it just like, you know, you said one, like being patient, like don't, don't rush in on the times that it probably aren't good to rush in like 80 degrees, you know, yeah. like rushing in and just for no willy nilly, no good reason, just cause you want to go hunt. Like that could be one, like what are some things just to kind of keep yourself in check that you think about every time going out? Just, you know, just staying patient, waiting for the conditions to be right, waiting for, um, you know, I like to manip- you know, manipulate a spot and be able to um, have a couple different spots on that piece where I have good access going in and out, outs just as, as important as in, um, and from a, diff- from a couple different, you know, winds. 
but you know, the other thing is too, like those small pieces, like those little, I, I, I put food plots on almost every, every one of those pieces that I hunt. And those little micro food plots are super key, um, to a lot of the things that I do. Um, but I really like to just stay back and let some things develop, you know, try to get a moon that's in my favor or that, you know, or a good cold front or, um, and, and paying attention to my cameras. And if my cameras are telling me, you know, I've killed deer on 80, 80 degree days before, um, just because for whatever reason, um, you know, uh, the deer, the deer got, you know, active, um, during that, that time frame And, and, um, so I'll, I'll set back. But the one thing too, that, and I'm not going to take credit for this because, um, Roger Rothar wrote about this years ago in a, in a book that he wrote called, uh, Whitetail Magic. But, you know, I remember reading that article about the, you know, hunting that edge wind. a lot of guys talk about it now of, you know, hunting that, that wind that's, that's, you know, good for them, but just barely good for you. And that is huge. When you start waiting for that, that really changes the game. Cause that's another thing that I think my successes went way up is not just hunting that wind. That's like just dead in my face. And it's just perfect for me. Um, I noticed a lot of times I just, I never seen those deer that I was after, but on those edge winds, um, and I've always referred to it as flirting with disaster because it's, it's become disastrous for me before too. You're right. <laughs> um, yep. But when you, you know, you, when you give them that false sense of security that, you know, they're, they're moving into an area and, and there's no worries. I, I think uh, you see, you'll get a, you'll get to see a lot more, a lot more older class bucks on their feet. What would be a description of like an edge win for you? You know, like, you know, maybe take us right from your truck, like walking into your, their, your access to the stand and it's an evening hunt. Like what would be the definition of an edge win for you? Just, you know, something that you would normally probably not do before, but then, like, as you get on and, and learn more things, and you're like, this is starting to work, and what you read, like, what is, the, what is that description? So, okay, for example, say, say I'm parking to the west and heading east into a property. And, and when I, so when I get in there, and my wind is going south say it's dead south well it's blowing to the south or is it blowing out of the south blowing it's blowing um it's it's blowing from the south okay to the north yep okay so when i get in there i'm just back enough where i give them enough room basically to to move through a spot um to where, but I also a lot of times in those cases, I like to use maybe some kind of structure to kind of cut them off from maybe just, you know, getting onto that once, you know, to, to get that wind completely dead in their face. Maybe it's, 
maybe it's some falling down trees. Um, I mean, I've taken a chainsaw and cut trees down purposely for those reasons before, um, where I've pre-planned stuff like that. Or maybe it's a, a, it's a big, you know, a creek bag, you know, that's a big drop off or a pond or something like that, that just sticks me back just enough where they have that false sense of security as they're coming from would be the North or say the Northeast or even the dead East where they have, you know, some wind, you know, to, uh, you know, to their advantage. Cutting their nose. That's, you're saying like it's, it's hitting their nose as they're walking basically into it from some, some direction. Yes. Yes. And then, so are you ever worried about like other deer coming through first and like busting you? Like, have you ever had that thought? Like, man, I feel like there's going to be, you know, could be six does or five does or something that come through that are, you know, I got, I got to pass the, the test for them first before he comes through. Is that ever a thought? Oh yeah, for sure. And it's, and that's happened to me too before. Um, for example, like the buck that I killed in, uh, 2018 is a deer that I had, I had four years of pictures of, and I had three years of sheds from him. And he was, um, you know, he's a, he was in the one sixties as a, as a clean eight. Wow. And, <laughs> Holy shit. and it, he's the biggest frame buck I've ever killed. And that deer, I knew I'd hunted, I hunted that deer the year before, and he just straight up beat me. Um, and I ended up killing a, a different buck that year, but I, I hunted that deer quite a bit and um, knew a fair amount of it. Well, he was bedding in a swamp, and I had some standing beans on this on this corner. And when he came out of the swamp directly, to my it would have been my south directly south of me. I was set up north of him on a fence road that had a creek on it, and it was pretty deep and it was real and it was real thick in that in that in that tree line, which where there's a, cr- a little creek and stuff that runs through it. Um, and my so my scent was blowing directly straight for from the west going east so where he could i figured what he might do is come out of that swamp loop all that and then come up into that into that area and and that's exactly what he did but prior of him getting there um i had a couple does that came out and my you know my scent everything's working fine and i feel like i'm safe and it kicked over there a couple times and two of the does got squirrely and and took off and i was like man i i actually texted one of my buddies i was like man i should get the hell out of this tree and he's like why what's up i'm like i'm like i just got cracked by a couple does i'm like man i'm worried that it's gonna start kicking a little more a little more northwest and west at that point so i was literally texting him this i put my phone back in my pocket 
and was contemplating on getting down and couldn't make up my mind. And then I looked over and saw him coming and saw him looping exact and doing that exact thing. And he looped all the way into me and, and he comes up and actually it was on our what last, the white tail addictions episode uh, from this year. And there was a couple of times, uh, man, he would just pick his head up real quick. And I would almost think I didn't have a shot on him at that point. And I thought, God, did he get me? You know, we had like a two minute standoff. You're always thinking, is he getting you? Is he, is, is my wind going around there? Is it shifted? I, that's yeah, cause nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. Cause he would just be feeding and then all of a sudden just throw his head up, you know? And, 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 and he would start looking west, you know, and I'm thinking, God, is he on me? You know, is he, did he get a little bit of me or something? So finally, you know, I ended up getting a, you know, finally he, he moved enough where and turned and I got a crack at him and, and killed him. Um, but you know, that, you know, I was just, I'm telling you, I was just on the edge of, of getting busted. And it's funny after I'd shot him and I was doing some video stuff and I was actually texting a couple of my buddies and stuff like that. Before I got down, I'm like, I wonder what the wind's doing now. And so I let a couple, you know, milkweeds float out there. And if he would have showed up during that time frame, I would have been done. So are you, were you constantly throwing milkweed throughout like, I mean, throughout the sit, we're just to like, just kind of paranoid about it. Is that what you do? Um, to, I guess to a point. Yeah. I mean, I, I would every once in a while and just kind of, just to kind of gauge, you know, what might be going on. Um, but then you get to a point where it, you, you know, you can't sit there and do that the whole time. You know, right. you got to sit still and, you know, and, 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 and then you got to just, give that up and say either I'm staying in here and I'm going to get busted or I'm staying in here and killing this deer. Right. And and I've heard Andre, you know, and Dan Infault talk about how, you know, two or three foot higher in a tree can make a lot of difference in the wind and how, and sure. that, that's just crazy to me, you know, instead of having your, you know, your stand where you're standing on it, putting it where your head is at is like game changing. Like that just, the wind is such a tricky thing. And, and when I hear them talk about that, it just blows my mind. I think sometimes too, it takes, sometimes it might take you a, a couple of years, just, you know, hunting a farm just to kind of learn what the wind does. in a lot of these different locations at certain times of the day, based off of certain wind directions. Um, I, I think sometimes you, I mean, you'd be surprised at, some of the things that you know you you run into a good friend of mine steve pinkston i was just a few years ago i was tagged out and and steve is absolutely no stranger to big deer he's got three 200 inches and and i was going in he was hunting like a 180 inch buck and i was going to just go with him and filming that night the whole time we're walking in the winds at my you know hit me in the back you know in the back of the neck and i'm like man why in the heck are we like you know, and I didn't say anything. Steve's been at it a long time, and he can get it done. So I'm like, well, it's his hunt, whatever. 
And so about halfway into that walk, he's like, you think he just turns around out of nowhere. He's like, you think we're hunting this, this on the wrong wind, don't you? And I started laughing and I said, Hey man, it's your hunt. I said, <laughs> you know, do whatever you want. I said, but I figured, you know, he goes, wait till we get back there. I'm going to show you something. So we get back there into the spot. We hung a double set and we climb it. We, we climb in and he goes, check this out. Watch what this wind does on, on back here in the spot. And, and he starts throwing those milkweeds out there and, and you think, Oh my God, this is the worst wind we you could have. And it would get out there about five or 10 yards and just turn like hard right. And you would have never thought that from walking in, but you know, it, it there was some kind of eddy that was happening in that location um, that was forcing, you know, that wind to turn and cut back around in a, in a totally uh, opposite direction. And, and actually he almost killed that buck that, that night. He actually drew his bow two different times. And, um, I mean, it was a giant, it was a giant deer, 180 inch buck probably. That's crazy. Justin Fabian, did you, didn't you have that some wind issues when you were in Wisconsin last year when you killed your Wisconsin buck? Weren't you up on like a shelf or a bench or something like that and you were having some wind issues? Um, I was, I don't recall really having an issue. I just, I was on like a hog's path, like a ridge. So everything just kind of either blew straight out to the field edge or down the ravine. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. I just had to be careful about about when I hunted it. Yeah, kind of hunted it like you do out west, kind of like with the thermals, kind of the same concept sometimes. But I know exactly what you mean, Justin, about just playing the edge of that wind. Like you've got to get just to the edge where it's like ten more feet and it's blown. Like I, I do that a lot where I I'll hang a set specifically because I can't see anything, but the only spot I can see is where I'm going to kill that deer. It's like by the time he can see me, he should be already dead. You know what I mean? It's all or nothing. And those are, I love those setups. Those are just, yep. those are the money setups. I mean, those are the ones that you're sitting there the entire time. And you probably feel like this the whole time you're in there of I'm killing this buck tonight. Yep. I mean, that's, that's, it's, that's the mindset. Yep. And that's, I mean, I'll go back to that first deer in Iowa again. I, I told my buddy Cooper he was he was an intern at the time with Midwest Whitetail, and he's the guy I hunt with in Wisconsin. Like we've been buddies for a long time, and he filmed me the day before, and he had to edit or he had to go film Mike Reed or something the next day. So I, I hunted by myself and hauled all my camera shit in there, and I told Cooper like it was an afternoon hunt. Like my in laws were in town from Texas, and I said, I'm going to hunt for three hours tonight. I said I guarantee I'm coming back with a deer. 100% I'm killing that deer today. And I went in on a ground hunt and all my camera gear, no blind, just by myself and rattled him to 18 yards and just throttled him. Came right down the only trail he could, and it was like, he's got to come from right there, and boom. I didn't know it was the one, you know, I didn't know that was the deer I was hunting, but from where I was, I said, any deer that comes is coming right there. And he popped up out of a creek bank, and he was at 18 yards and just let him have it. 
Mature and buck, too. That, you know, Old buck. Yeah, he was eight and a half. <laughs> but you went in there with a mindset of, you know, I'm getting this done. You know, like there was Absolutely. That, there's, yep. there was that confidence, behind, you know, behind it, you know, yep. that I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of times where, you know, I, I don't, I guess I don't get buck fever anymore just because what I've, I guess, tried to uh, take on is, is I almost get, when I see that deer and he's coming, I almost get that, that pissed off mindset of like, you know, I'm killing this deer. Like, I'm not going to let him play into my head and get me rattled. I'm like, I, I almost get like in a pissed off mood. <laughs> yeah. I, totally oh, I, know I know what, what you, you mean. It's, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't ever get that. Like, Oh my God, here he comes and like start freaking myself out. It's like, all right. This is us walking into the octagon right now. Someone's, someone's not leaving, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's like a hyper focus and it's just, everything else becomes just second nature. Like that's why people say they don't remember putting their release on. They don't know what pin they use. They don't, you know, I don't know what happened, but he's dead. I win. I trust me. I know. You know what? But I used to be on the other end of that. I blew it on some really good deer back in the day because I would get, you know, I would get rattled, you know, and I would let those deer get into my head. And, you know, it just took me a while to, you know, to learn that, that, that wasn't the way to go about it. You know, um, right. that, I, you know, I think that's where, you know, that, you know, a lot of people get that buck fever or whatever, just because they let that, that, that deer get the best of them. Yep. I, I was the same that way too. And I think a lot of it develops over time of seeing those, those bigger deer and having them close and, and really like studying deer as well, though, like studying those bucks and, and having them close. And I think what helped me out a lot is I've been filming good part of my life and you know filming hunts for tv and everything and having some of the biggest deer in my life whether i'm killing them or not but right in front of me because to me it's like a lot of the same thing you know i'm killing that deer with my camera anyway but it's like i get the same feeling but i've i've been in and around a lot of big deer and i've kind of i've kind of you know overcome some of those hurdles because I'm not going to lie to you, back in, you know, mid-2000s, I had like a 130-inch buck, a 10-point in Michigan here, come into a food plot my wife was filming. She was my girlfriend at the time, and I blew a 30-yard shot, like a chip shot. I've done it in a food plot, you know, nothing in front of me, stopped him, two foot over his back, like just blew it. And honestly, at that point in my life, I have never shot a deer that big. So it was like just one of those things that, everything culminated and just buck fever took over and it rushed myself. And, but I, I agree, like you have to get over that moment, but I think it takes being in and around those deer and it's gradual steps. And I think, you know, I think you'll overcome that personally. That's what I think. I agree yeah, with yeah. you a hundred percent. Having those experiences and being around those type of deer over time, you get, you like, it just becomes second nature and you, you just get used to it and it just, it doesn't get into your head anymore. Um, but you know, that's why I think it's important guys that, you know, like, you know, 
work a show or something like that or run, you know, be talking to some young guys and they're like, you know, they're like, Oh, I'm holding out for a 150 this year. I'm like, Oh, cool. I'm like, shot a lot of, you know, 130s, 140s. No, I've never shot any. And I'm like, <laughs> man, dude, go have some fun and shoot some 100 inch deer or a 110 inch buck or a whatever, sure. you know. Like get yeah, some just, kills under your belt and have some fun with it for a while. Yep. It takes it's in, it goes in steps, really. I think it does. Oh, oh it's, it's yeah. It's it's been written about for years. I mean, that's that's what I was going to say, Aaron. Is it's you know, there's those phases of a hunter. It's okay. You're just starting. I just need to kill one, and then it's like, oh, that was badass. Like, okay, now I'll kill another one. See if I can do it again, and then you can. And it's like, okay, now I'm going to kill as many as I possibly can. I don't care. And then you kind of go back the other direction. It's like, all right, I'm going to set my sight on one specific animal. Now I'm going to set my sight on a certain age class, you know. And it's like, it's it's that evolution, I think, of, of a hunter, but also like a conservationist at the same time. Like it's, you evolve with the process, but you also, your appreciation evolves with it. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's like, I have an 11-year-old son and, and a during the late season or whatever, and I had a couple pretty nice deer on, on camera and a, a, couple, a couple of my buddies were like, well, you know, why don't you take Mason over there? I'm like, he is not shooting any of those bucks. He can shoot a dink or a doe, but he is not shooting <laughs> some, you know, 150 inch deer. I commend you for that because that I've got a friend that did the same well he's got a kid you know he's older now but like when he was 10 11 years old went out and shot like 150 inch deer for his you know one of his first first or second buck and i almost feel like you got to have those growing pains like go and let him kill his first buck being a basket rack six or you know an 80 inch deer or something like that like let him make those progressions and you know, almost like let him take his lumps, I, I guess. I don't know if that's how you're mm-hmm. feeling, but I've, I've seen sure. it a couple times. And, you know, I was the kid that my first buck was a six-point when I was 12. You know, a basket rack, six-point, shot with my bow, watched him watched him die in a field. You know, like watched him run off of my arrow and die. And I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. You know, this is unbelievable. And you learn so much just from that 15 seconds of an experience or whatever. You know, and then it just kind of progresses. I remember when I shot my first 100-inch deer, I thought I shot a giant, giant buck. <laughs> you know, it was filmed. I remember, yeah. like, going in that night, and, like, it was October 18th, and I was like, this is, it was hotter than hell. My brother-in-law was with me, and I'm like, there's, I'm going to kill this buck, and I that's the deer I went in there for, and he walked by at 11 yards. I shot him, three-blade muzzy broadhead ran 60 yards and piled up and I'm like holy shit and I drove around with my tailgate down for two days you know what I mean I'm like I did I I did like it was like that's awesome like I did something you know it's crazy I just think they need to have those experiences oh I I definitely I definitely do I mean I well my son just like you know this year he shot his first turkey and and it was you know, you know, last year, well, he had some close encounters and it never happened. And we kind of ended the season and he was like, Oh dad, I didn't get one. I was like, Oh, it's all right. I'm like, you got next year, you know? And, and we go back into this Turkey season or whatever. And, and he goes out and, and, um, 
Um, and he hit one and he lost it. And he was super bummed about it and like kind of, you know, and then like we weren't getting onto anything for a little while. And then he, and, and then he ended up killing one. And, um, um, I, I think that lit a fire under him. I'm, I'm glad it worked out. Like I'm glad all those things happened to him. I'm glad he didn't go in and Turkey hunt, you know, one time and kill one. For sure. Yep. It's, it's pretty crazy. And that's like me being a parent now. Like I want my daughter, I obviously, I want her to, to take up hunting and everything. I'm not going to force it on her, but if she wants to do it, then, then we're going to do it. But I'm going to do the, do the same thing, you know? And, uh, I, you know, the big crossbow and like compound bow thing is a huge debate. And it always it has been forever. You know, back when I was a kid, crossbows really weren't even a thing. Like my dad, I was a compound. Like he got me my first compound. So it's like I've got friends ask me like, "Oh, you're gonna have her shoot a crossbow to start off, whatever." And I'm like, I, I, you know, I really don't know. I, it all depends on like, you know, the the scenario and everything. But if I, I really at heart, I want her to learn how to shoot a compound first. Um, I'll be totally honest with you. I've shot a crossbow two times in my life and I'm 33 years old now, you know, and it's not that I don't want to shoot. Well, it is cause I don't want to shoot one really, <laughs> but <laughs> I have nothing against it. You know what I mean? Like uh, that's your prerogative, I guess. So, but I kind of want her to learn the compound because I felt like in my learning experience, I learned things the hard way and was better for it later. I guess that I could say that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, I've never hunted with a crossbow and I've only shot one just a, you know, just a handful of times. Um, but I did buy, I did buy him one, you know, to hunt, you know, hunt deer, um, just because he can't pull back 40 pounds yet. And, um, and that's our state, you know, state minimum. He just can't, he, he can't get there yet to do it. But, um, here's the thing these crossbows oh my god i mean he the very first time i sighted the thing in he, and he, he takes it out there and he's shooting bullseyes the very first time he ever shot it i mean the first five shots he's just drilling the center of the target and, and it's like man this really isn't you know when i right. take an archery you know and yeah, i know something arrow gun <laughs> Yeah, it is. And I know there's some guys on here that might listen to this and might get offended or whatever, but man, I, I'm just, I'm just, I, uh, I'm, a, I wish I had the balls to shoot a recurve and hunt with it. To be honest Me as well. <laughs> Cause I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. And that's like, I almost feel like having a compound though made me ha- want to have that competitive edge. You know what I mean? Like you go out mm-hmm. and you can't hit a pie plate. My dad, my his rule was you got to hit a pie plate five times at 20 yards for you to go hunting. Like you had to do that consistently to go hunting. So if I wasn't doing it, my competitive edge took over and was like, I've got to do this because dad told me to, you know, yep. and that was kind of where it started. I remember that vividly. So, yeah, I totally get that. Yes, that's – he, uh, you know, he's – I'm going to stick to, you know, he's going to, I'm hoping that I can get him on a deer early, you know, a doe or a little buck or whatever, like early in the season next year with this, you know, with this crossbow. And, um, 
Um, he actually hit one. He hit a little buck during the late season and, and, and lost it. The deer ended up being fine, but, um, he, um, you know, not to say that I wanted that to happen like that, but then again, I'll say this, like now he's already saying like, yeah, do you think I'll get a deer this year? <laughs> That's awesome. And he looked. And he wasn't ask, and he wasn't asking that stuff before, you know. So I know that there's, you know, there's there, he he he's thinking about it at least. Yep, for sure. Definitely, that's cool, man. That's 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 awesome. That makes I know as a dad, that's gonna make you feel really good, though. Like, yeah, I'm, you know, doing something right or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fun, you know. Um, he found a he found a shed to a buck was it last year. The year before, whatever, it's actually in his room on his on his dresser, and it was a deer that I called seven up. He had like seven tines on one side, just straight up tines, and um, and and uh, we were gonna go. I, I thought about taking him over there to hunt that deer this past year, and he had a messed up side. He ended up with an injury. And then the other side was like, all right, but he's just an old buck and he's going downhill and stuff like that. But even looking at him, I'm like, man, I still don't want him to shoot even something that big. Like, You're right. like <laughs> yeah. you know, I want him to, you know, go shoot a dink or a doe, you know, like something. Yep. I'm all for shooting the does. <laughs> Definitely. It's a good way to practice. Yep, for sure. Well, cool, man. I, I don't, I want to keep, uh, I want to be, you know, respective of your time as well. And I know we've been on here for almost an hour and a half now, but I appreciate you coming on and doing this. And, um, I know you and I kind of talked off record and, and, uh, I've already got my place in line for, to, to record with you this fall because we're, we're going to leave it as a little secret, but, uh, we're going to record sometime this fall. So you just got to let me know when we're going to do it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we can record that, that, that for sure. I mean, that is, I, you know, hopefully have some good deer to hunt this year. I've got yep. some good tags and, and, um, and, um, but yeah, I, you know, hunting small properties. I mean, that's, that's kind of, I guess, I guess if you got a niche, I guess that's mine in October. You know, yep. I, I seem to kill most of my deer in October or during late season. Um, uh, the rut's frustrating to me. So, yeah, I definitely got a love hate with the rut. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, cool, good deal. And I'm not saying we're. I mean, we might record before then too. But definitely, if that happens, you know, the scenario you're talking about, you and I talk. We'll keep it as you know on the on the download. But uh, if that happens, let me know for sure, and we'll we'll stay yeah. in touch. Good luck this fall, and I appreciate you doing this, man. Okay, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Take care. You're listening to the Waypoint Podcast Network, brought to you in part by HuntStand, the number one hunting and land management app. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. 
Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.